Song of Solomon, if you'll turn there in your Bibles. We just started a couple weeks ago last week. Of course, we skipped Wednesday night for the 4th of July holiday. Trust you had a great, great um, 4th of July safe one because you're here. So, um, But we're back in Song of Solomon chapter 2. If you'll turn there, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Jerry will slip you a Bible, and, and we'll get into our Bible study in just a minute. A couple of announcements I want to make um, that, uh, that may be of importance to you or apply to you. Friday, first Friday's coming up uh, on tonight, 6, 8 o'clock, grilling on the back deck, and that is for young married couples. So if you're planning on coming, uh, Travis is going to be getting some things for that. So if you can just... Uh, write your initials or names at the information desk, and he'll know how many people are coming. So that's 6 o'clock here on Friday at the church. And then the Young Adults Conference is on Saturday, so all of you be praying for the young adults as they are going to be meeting. And it's not too late if you're a young adult, college age, uh, part of the Wildfire group, uh, that's the name of their group, um, then sign up for it because they're going to have a catered lunch and look at the details in your bulletin or at the information desk. Uh, it is going to be from um, 10 o'clock till 2.30 and out of Ephesians being a light and it's going to be a tremendous blessing. So if you can make it to that, young adults, um, I know it's going to be a blessing. $10 for the catered lunch um, and uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do with you. Middle schoolers are being reminded, parents, that they're going to have um, their time uh, fellowship on Saturday, 6, 8 o'clock here at the church. So if you can bring them at 6 and pick them up at 8. And then Koinia Fellowship also hosted by Jerry and Sandy Sanders at 6 o'clock on Saturday evening. Potluck dinner followed by a time of fellowship. Their address, phone number there in the bulletin. So a lot going on this weekend uh, that you can be part of if you're a young married couple, young adult. Men's prayer at 7 o'clock. They do that every Saturday morning. Uh, so guys, have opportunity to come and just be with some other men as they... Uh, or spend some time in prayer, usually done by about 8 o'clock. And then the Young Adults Conference and middle schoolers, none of you are middle schoolers, but um, you can bring your middle schoolers. And, uh, and I know they'll have a great time with Luke and Ashley. And then Sunday morning we'll be back as we're going to finish chapter 19 of Luke's Gospel, looking at the cleansing of the temple. And so we just finished looking at the last couple of weeks, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I, I think that we are tremendously blessed looking at that, to the importance of that day, and why Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. Matter of fact, I've gotten a lot of response on Sunday's teaching because we touched on what makes Christianity so unique compared to other world religions. And uh, so we went over that three main points, but one of those points was because of Bible prophecy. And that day was prophesied by Zechariah chapter 9 and also Daniel chapter 9. So very good teaching to share with somebody, we got it online, and to share it with somebody who perhaps thinks that Christianity uh, is the same as other religions or it doesn't really matter, uh, I think that this would really minister to them the truth of God's word declared to them, that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of this Bible is the true and living God, and Christianity is unique uh, in that on three points that I made, so listen to that if you weren't here and I think that you're going to be encouraged and strengthened in your own faith, and then you're going to be able to encourage and strengthen others 
in their faith as well. So that's online again. We'll look at the cleansing of the temple, very important implication there, so we can make application for our own lives. So looking forward to being with you on Sunday. Bring somebody out to Calvary Chapel, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. Now, I, I am going to um, ask for your prayers. I am leaving in the morning uh, early to go back to Kansas to do a funeral for my uncle on Friday, and then I'll be back Saturday night. I'll be there Friday with my family and, um, and ministering to them and officiating the funeral for him. My uncle, I remember being a kid going to the farm out there in Kansas, which he continued to live right up to the point where he uh, went home to be with the Lord. Uh, but uh, I'll be doing that. So we got a long drive tomorrow and then Friday with family and then coming back Saturday. Pastor John has gone because uh, there's a death in Becca's family on Sunday. So he's in Oklahoma right now, and he's going to be coming back on Friday. So we're both gone right now. Just pray for us to get back and uh, safe travels and all that. And looking forward to being with you back on Sunday. But we appreciate your prayers as we head out there uh, to Kansas to minister to our family. Other than that, um, everything else is um, there in your bulletin. Take a look at it. And I think I covered everything. Oh, I want to give you an update on Jerry Clayton. We pray for him on Sunday. Jerry and Lola, of course, oversee the Clayton house, and they're the ones that put together the food baskets at Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, they minister to the community in such a wonderful way all through the year, and um, they have such a heart for those who have need. Uh, but they, they do the food baskets for Thanksgiving and Christmas and also have gifts that are uh, given to them and, and that they also uh, have available for those who cannot afford to give gifts to their children. So they got a very special ministry, and, and they're very dear and special to us. So uh, it was a very serious uh, surgery uh, bypass that Jerry was having on Sunday. Uh, I mean, we prayed on Sunday. He was having it Monday morning. He got through surgery fine, and he did well. And I called Lola right before service, and she said he was up even um, just a little bit ago and doing a little bit of walking and uh, actually ate a little bit of food. So he's feeling good. She said his color looks good. And so thank you for your prayer. She wanted to just express how much this fellowship has meant to them during that time where it's scary. You know, a high-risk surgery, uh, don't know the outcome, and um, their whole family has been blessed by just the outpouring of love and encouragement and bringing meals over so I want to thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray for them. And knowing Jerry, he'll probably be walking in here before we know it. And, um, and she said his color is good, so I want to give you an update on that as well. So uh, I think I covered everything. So why don't we go to the Lord in prayer and get into our study as Lord. We now just ask that you would just bless this time in the study of your word. And as we lift it up, uh, Jerry, to you on Sunday, here on Wednesday, we want to give you thanks. And Lord, we want to thank you for your incredible grace and mercy. And Lord, in seeing him through, and, and Lord, just um, showing yourself strong on his behalf. And we pray that you continue to just uh, be with him and um, to strengthen his body and that he be able to go home um, and, uh, as he's making his recovery and continue to do so there. But Lord, we thank you that um, you have... Um, just bless them and Lola and um, we just thank you so much for this couple and, and I thank you for for the saints here today for the saints here at Calvary Chapel and, and it's a privilege for me to serve 
And Lord, I pray that tonight as we come into this place with different needs and perhaps concerns and things that are on our hearts, Lord, that you would minister one thing to us tonight, that we are very valuable to you. And Lord, we are a treasure unto you. And that we wouldn't think that you see us um, in a way that you don't care or you're indifferent or apathetic towards us, but Lord, uh, you have passion and love that is indescribable and unsearchable, immeasurable, as the scripture says. So Father, encourage our hearts. We need that. And Lord, uh, as this word goes forth, this poetic language, that we would uh, gain from it. And Lord, that we would be encouraged by it. So we give you this time in the study of your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So the Song of Solomon is the fifth of uh, the poetic books. Of course, the poetic books being Job, and then Psalms, and Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. We've studied all four of those poetic books on Wednesday night. And so now the Song of Solomon is the fifth of the poetic books. And in this, as we just began to look at it two weeks ago, uh, and open up this book. Solomon, of course, wrote over a thousand songs. This is the Song of Songs. This is uh, the, the highlight of Solomon's songs that's recorded in God's Word. And what makes the Song of Solomon so unique, it's, it's, it's a story. It's like an opera that's being played out. It's a story bet- uh, that uh, has um, love in it and romance in it and all of this. And it's a love story between a Shulamite maiden who is a shepherdess, and she's working the land, and she's working the vineyards. She doesn't see herself as being special. We saw that in chapter 1. She's one that she doesn't see herself as being beautiful. And she meets a, a, a young man, and she begins to fall in love, and she realizes that her beloved is the one and only Solomon, who is the king. And so now this, this romance begins with them, and, and they're having this conversation and, and this uh, played as bring, uh, being played out here in and, and this song here. And it's, it's um, also got a, another main speaker, and that is the Daughters of Jerusalem, kind of this chorus. So as we go through it, we'll, we'll see when the Shulamite is, is speaking, when the beloved Solomon is speaking to king, and, and when he first came, he kind of came in disguise, but then she realized that she's in love with the king of Israel. And so Solomon, it's interesting, as we've gone through the book of Proverbs, written as Solomon was the human instrument inspired by God to write the book of Proverbs, he probably wrote that book somewhere in the middle of his reign, or uh, he reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem, the son of David. And so he was the one, of course, that was the wisest man on the face of the earth as he asked God for wisdom, and God gave him that wisdom. But, of course, he writes the book of Proverbs probably sometime during the middle of his reign. It is Ecclesiastes that he probably wrote at the end of his life, the end of his reign, because he talks about all his experiences. He talks about how he's seen it all, anything he desired that he had, he had great popularity and prestige and riches and, and exotic parties and, and fame and all of this. And as he looks at it back at life, he's looking at it apart from God and he says it's all vanity. 
It's all vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. Life is mundane. And, of course, we talked about that quite extensively, how any of us, when we go through life, anything that we do, anything that we experience as we labor, as we, you know, uh, gain knowledge, as we are ones that are living life, when we do that apart from Christ in a close relationship with him, then we begin to get negative and cynical like uh, Solomon was getting. And so we learn from that. It It was kind of a a little bit of a hard book at times, a very negative book at times to go through, but there were very important application for us to learn from. And again, we're going to learn some of those applications here tonight, how important it is that you and I, that we have the priority of our lives being Jesus Christ and our relationship and closeness with him. And then as we do, we're going to experience that abundant life that he has for us. So uh, Solomon probably wrote that at the end of his life. It is believed that the Song of Solomon here that he wrote at the beginning of his reign or when he was young. He was young when he began to rule over Israel. And you recall that David, his father, when he was about ready to die, that they got a Shulamite uh, woman to come and take care of him. And, he, and David did not know her, but it is believed that Solomon would fall in love with her. And then when David passed away, she would go back to the mountains of Ephraim, and she would begin to uh, serve again her brothers. Her brothers are mentioned here. They will be a speaker at the end of the play as we read the book, and and they are ones that are trying to keep her uh, from her beloved, and so we'll see that all played out. But she would go back, and, and Solomon would search her out, and he would go, it is believed, as you read uh, some of the commentaries and even ancient rabbis, that he disguised himself, and then when he revealed himself to her, she realized that he is the king of all of Israel. So uh, that happened probably early in his life, and of course, later on, Solomon would have a thousand wives and concubines. Matter of fact, later on, we won't see it tonight, but in a couple weeks when we finish the book, that he's going to mention others, that he uh, has others, and that's when he would begin to take on other wives and and, uh, concubines as he uh, was the king. So, So this is probably early in his life. So Solomon here... He uh, begins to make himself known and, and, and to express his love to the Shulamite. Let's begin to read in chapter 2. It's the Shulamite. This is her speaking. She says, I am the rose of Sharon. I am the, am the lily of the valleys. And so I believe that this is speaking uh, of her as she says, I'm the rose of Sharon. I'm the lily of the valleys. Those were common in, in the mountains of Ephraim. And what she's saying is she doesn't see herself as anything special, especially to somebody like Solomon, who's the king of Israel. And I don't know about you, but I can sure feel that way about my relationship with the Lord. Because as we go through this, we're going to make application. We learn because here is a book that doesn't mention God. Here's a book that doesn't have any theology. Here's a book that doesn't talk about the plan of salvation. Uh, There's no doctrine that is established, you know, uh, as you go through it, like you see in the New Testament and as you can gain from the Old Testament. What it is is a play. But even ancient rabbis would elevate this book um, because it speaks of, they believe, of God's relationship with his people Israel. And we know that in the Old Testament, 
when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he brought them to Mount Sinai and he, he would say to them that you are a special treasure unto me. And also in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord would say to them as they were getting ready to go into the promised land, and I'll read it to you from Deuteronomy chapter 7, that the Lord said that the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you, I, I like that. He just says, because the Lord loves you. The Lord is love, and he loves his people, not because they're great or they've earned it or they've merited it, because the Lord loves them, and the Lord loves you as well. But there are times where I can feel, and I'm sure that a lot of times, you know, we can feel this in our lives. Lord, why would you love me? Because I am not special, you know. I just, I am not what I could be. I'm not what I should be. I fall short. I, I look in the mirror, and I think, Oh, Lord, you know, that you even put up with me. You're patient, you're long-suffering, but the Lord does love you, and he loves you, you know, infinitely. He loves you uh, with that unconditional love that he has for all of us, and he proved his love for us that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans chapter 5. And we need to remember that because the Lord didn't send his son to die for us when we were at our best. And he didn't look down, and he didn't say, you know, Jeff, you're so together or you're so smart or you're so good looking or whatever it may be you're so talented i think i'll love you no he loves us and i love what paul would write to the corinthian church that god has chosen the foolish things of the world and the weak things of the world and the things that are not to bring to not the things that are that no man can glory in his presence and i as i think about that how the lord has chosen you and me he loves us to be his own so ancient rabbis have elevated this book because that they were seen as a special treasure to the Lord because he does love them. And he would talk about how he, you know, God was a husband to the children of Israel. So you go to the books of the prophets and you, you know, read about how the prophets speaking on behalf of the Lord. The Lord would say, you committed har harlotry, you know, um, and come back to me. And, and so we see that language that is used. And then even in the New Testament, for you and I as believers in the church, that Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 5 as he's writing about husbands and wives and the roles and responsibilities of husbands and wives, that he says this is the mystery, that you know our relationship between a husband and wife should reflect you know, that the love that the Lord has for us in the church, Christ in the church that he loves us unconditionally, and then we are submitted to him. And it's a picture, your marriage should be husband and wife, of Christ's love for us, who is, you know, we are the bride of Christ in the scriptures. And so um, that's the mystery that Paul reveals in Ephesians chapter 5. So that's why as we make application here, we're going to make application in that the Lord's special love for us and his commitment to us and how much of a joy that is to us and closeness and intimacy that we should have with the Lord. And that's why this book is special. That's why it's unique because it really focuses on that. And one of the things that Christians really struggle with is a closeness and intimacy with their relationship with the Lord. 
And so this really will help us, and we'll also make application as far as husbands and wives in how the Lord desires uh, for husbands to love their wives and, and all of that. So we'll continue with this. But, you know, we can think I'm very common, I'm not special, but Jesus sees us as being very special. Matter of fact, uh, we talked about as in Exodus chapter 19 that the Lord would say to his people, you're a treasure to me. Jesus comes along in the kingdom parables in Matthew chapter 13, and he begins to tell those parables, and we've been going through, look, remember what a parable is. It is a story that comes alongside of a truth, a spiritual truth. Para means alongside of. And he begins to tell about the parable of the sower. And then he continues with the kingdom parables, and he says, the kingdom of God is, is like a man who found a treasure in the field, and he gave all that he had to buy the field to take the treasure out. And sometimes, maybe even in your study Bibles, it might be interpreted that we are the ones that gave up everything to have the treasure Jesus. The problem with that interpretation is Jesus, when he is interpreting the parables, you know, there in the kingdom parables, in one of them he says that the field represents the world. So in that consistency, as you look at it, you know, I didn't give up everything for Jesus. You know, I would turn to him. Uh, but he's the one that would humble himself, become a man, became a servant, obedient to death, to death on the cross. He's the one that gave everything. His life for you and for me, to redeem the world back to himself. And he didn't redeem the world back to himself so he can have another planet. He has billions of planets that are out there. He redeemed the world so he can have the treasure. And the treasure is you. So he can take the treasure out of this world to be with him. And to always remember that the Lord loved you so much, the Father sent his Son who willingly came to die for you so you can be with him forever, so he can take you out of this world. As Jesus said, I will come and receive you to myself that where I am you may be also. And he goes on and he says that the kingdom of God again, as he, he tells another short parable, it's like a man who found a pearl of great price and he gave all that he had to buy the pearl. And you know a pearl is made an oyster there and a piece of dirt, a, a grain of sand gets in it and it begins to secrete a substance and the bigger the dirt, you know, or piece of sand, the, the bigger the pearl ends up being more secretion of that, that substance around it and becomes very valuable. And he's saying again that you are so valuable, I am so valuable. I'll speak for myself. I think, Lord, you know, I, one time was just a piece of dirt, you know. I, I was an irritant to you as that piece of sand would, you know, be an irritant and then begin that secretion, the wonderful work that he has done in our lives as we are born again by the Spirit of God and we're a new creation. Listen, you're a pearl, great price. You're a treasure to him and never forget that. So she sees herself as not being very special here. And then in verse 2, uh, the beloved like a lily among thorns so is my love among the daughters so here Solomon speaks she sees herself as common but the beloved says she is like a beautiful lily among the thorns so encouraging her with these words and you know the Lord does love us because again I know I can be thorny 
you know, prickly and all of that, but he doesn't just see the thorns and and all of that. He sees something very beautiful in the work that he is doing in my life and the work that he's doing in your life as well. But I also want to encourage you husbands that you be encouraging to your wives in the words that you speak. And here is Solomon as she's feeling maybe a little bit insecure and you know, in chapter 1, she was feeling that way. I work out in the field. I'm not beautiful, you know. I'm sunburnt and, and all of this. And, and now she feels like she's just common. And why would, uh, you know, Solomon, you know, uh, the king of Israel love me? And we can feel a little bit insecure in our own, you know, relationship with the Lord. We think, Lord, why would you want to use me? Why do you love me? Why, you know, did you set your love upon me and save me? I, I just come to the point in my life, I just enjoy it. And we are to enjoy it. But also to speak words of encouragement, husbands, to your wife. Let her know how valuable that she is to you. And encourage her in every way that you can. Just as here Solomon is doing that. He's saying, like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And the Shulamite responds in verse 3, like an apple apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. And I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. So finding an apple tree out in the woods was something that was very unique. And the Lord is very unique, isn't he? And she here is expressing her commitment and satisfaction and joy in sitting next to him and just enjoying him. Speaking of an apple tree, I remember um, when after we moved away from Kansas, we moved um, just south of Colorado Springs when I was in middle school, you know, we rode our bikes everywhere. And I remember riding our bike out in the country where these two roads kind of met, and there was a little grove of uh, cottonwood trees. But in the midst of that, there was an apple tree that we discovered. And it was very unique. And so we would ride our bikes there every August, and I think there was two apple trees. They were big apple trees with all these apples, and we just you know, goof around there all day long, eating those apples and climbing up an apple tree. And we thought that was pretty cool. You know, it was special and unique. And later on, not long after that, they widened the road and ended up cutting down those trees. But as Christians, the Lord desires for us to really enjoy him. The psalmist David would write in Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed is the man who trusts in him. And of course, it is Jesus that would come along and he would say, particularly in John's gospel, come and eat of me and come and drink of me. He would talk about living water that he had. And if you drink of the water of the world, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you live of the water that I have to give, you'll never thirst again. And he would say to the people, as the people came to him after defeating the 5,000 there in John chapter 6, and they were looking for him. And Jesus said, you're just looking for me because I fed you yesterday. You're hungry again. And what you need to eat is the bread of life, the bread that comes from heaven. And I am the bread of life that comes from heaven. Whoever eats of me and, and drinks of me will never hunger and thirst again. So what happens oftentimes as Christians is we're so busy drinking of the water of the world or trying to partake of other things, and we're not really tasting to see if the Lord is good. We're not taking in of the Word of God, you know, eating of the meat of the Word of God. 
And what my prayer for all of us is that as we just grow in our love for him and our relationship with him, that we would really, you know, grow in that. And that's what he's talking about in John chapter 6, that people are going, what do you mean eat and drink of you? He's talking about relationship. He's talking about fellowship. But sometimes we can become very apathetic. Other times we can come very uptight. And rather than just enjoying the Lord and enjoying our relationship with him, And I think that that's why it's so important that we should be having devotions every single day of just spending time with the Lord, enjoying Him. That we should be ones that that we're eating of Him and drinking of Him. And even as Jesus later on in in John chapter 7, when He was in Jerusalem, would stand and say, If any of you thirst, come to me and drink, and out of your innermost will flow torrents of living water. That you go to Him and you stay close to Him and you talk with him and take in the word of God. That's, that's how the relationship grows. And it's like here the, the Shulamite is saying that. It's like an apple tree among the trees in the woods. So is my beloved among the sons. Oh, I love enjoying being refreshed by you and, and, and enjoying you. But not only is there an application with that, with our relationship with the Lord, but with other brothers and sisters as well. That you benefit from them and you bless them. And what a joy it is that it belong to the body of Christ. And, you know, Calvary Chapel is not a perfect church, and it never will be. But we have, you know, opportunity to really love one another and serve one another, and we should see that as a privilege. You know, one of the things in Deuteronomy chapter 20, there was some instructions given to the children of Israel for when they go into the promised land and, and they begin to engage in battle some guidelines that were given to them and the lord said when you go into the promised land and you siege a city you begin to cut down trees make sure that you're not cutting down on the trees that bear fruit make sure that you don't do that don't take your axes chop those trees down because those trees can benefit you can refresh you be a blessing to you and you see i think there's a good application for us because we can so easily take our axes out and we begin to chop away on other brothers and sisters. We begin to cut on them and, you know, chop them down and, and all of this. And it ought not to be that way rather than just receiving from them and being blessed by them because they have fruit to offer. So I pray that we would really grow not only in our love for the Lord but our love for each other being refreshed as we just spend time with the Lord, but being refreshed by having fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. And I think that uh, most of you, I pray that all of you would say, you know, being a part of the body of Christ and being a part of a church is such a tremendous blessing. And we can bless one another and benefit and be refreshed with with one another as we just, you know, uh, are receiving, you know, Um, that fruit from what others have to give to you. And then the Shulamite to the daughters of Jerusalem, verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. So here is the Shulamite speaking to the daughters of Jerusalem, uh, telling them all that's happened to her. Uh, She speaks of how, you know, Solomon took this farm girl and brought her to his table, the king's house, and now his banner over her was love. Isn't that just an incredible statement that she's making to the daughters of Jerusalem? 
She doesn't say, the banner that's over me is, you need to earn it. Or you need to merit it. Or be good enough. Or can't you do more? His banner over her was love because of the love that gave her encouragement and contentment and peace and knowing that there is nothing that she, she had to do to earn more of that love. She knew that he loved her. And I pray for us that that banner over us is always to remember his love. Not that you've got to try harder, you've got to work harder, you've got to earn it, you, you know, you've got to do all this. And listen, I am not making a case, and if you've been here long enough, you know me, that I'm going to encourage you to walk in obedience. That a life living after Christ is living a life pleasing to him. He did not save us so we can live after the world. But we are ones that we understand that the banner over us is love and that he does love us. And as we understand that love more and more and then we begin to live in that love, then you're going to want a desire to live for him. You will do more in love than out of your own energies and trying to strive and strain and put yourself under rules and regulations and stuff. That's why it is Paul that would say you can sum up all of the law in one word, and that is what? Love. You love the Lord. And as you love the Lord, you're going to want to live for him. And I think that is such a key in our Christian lives. Because as I grow in my love for him, as I study him and see how good and precious he's been and how faithful he is and that he saved me, he saved you. We're not going to hell. That he has a wonderful future for us. He has a wonderful plan for us. That we're going to rule and reign with him. And you just go, wow, Lord, you are so good. And you just can't help but grow in that love for him. And that banner over me is his love. His love for you and for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him sh should not perish but have everlasting life. So that banner's over her. And, and as Paul would pray in Ephesians chapter 3, his prayer for us was that may you be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Isn't that an interesting prayer? That you may know the love of Christ which, by the way, passes knowledge. You won't fully be able to understand it because it's infinite. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he loves us. He loves you. And as she's expressing that, and then she goes on in verses 5 and 6, sustain me with cakes of raisin, refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. He, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. So here as she continues uh, talking about her beloved, she's expressing how uh, that he is close to her and the gentleness and lifts her head up, reassuring her of his love for her. And he would also just encourage her greatly by doing that, the tenderness, tenderheartedness of the Lord towards us even as David would write in Psalm 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. There are times where we get downcast, don't we? And even David would write in the Psalms, why are you so downcast, O my soul? And we get discouraged in life, don't we? And we get bummed out, and we can get negative because of all the things that are going around us, you know, and, and, and the circumstances that we face. 
but he's the one that is the lifter of your head. And he's the one that desires for you to come to him, to be a shield for you, to, to just continue to strengthen you. You know, here is a young Shulamite maiden that has worked hard. And the burdens put on her by her brothers, and we're going to see those burdens on. And here is her beloved that is supporting her and encouraging her and giving her, as we see this picture of rest, to come to him. Uh, I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. You know the verse. That on a hillside there in, in Galilee, that he cries out to the crowds, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I want to encourage you. You here tonight? And are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Let the Lord draw you close to him so that he might lift you up and give you rest. And then in verse 7, kind of an interesting verse here, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now there's a couple of different interpretations on this, and I'll throw them both at you, but here I think that, that one interpretation is, is that uh, the, uh, the Shulamite is, is saying that uh, in this whole issue of love, allow the love to happen, allow it to grow, allow the Lord to, to continue growing that love. And that's what he wants to do, right? He wants you to grow in that love for him. As she says, that do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Not trying to force it, not trying to make it happen, but just as you grow in knowing him, and as you know him, you're going to grow in that love for him. You know, for couples that are married, Sue and I have been married for 27 years, and you know, for any of you who've been married any length of time, that your love for your spouse grows and grows. At least that's what the Lord's desire for husband and wife, for that love to grow. And that's one of the things as I do premarital counseling, as a young couple comes in, I tell them because they come in and they're very much in love and they're holding hands and they're so excited, you know, and you're excited with them. But you tell them, listen, you love each other now. As you begin to live a life with the foundation being Jesus Christ, your love for each other is going to grow. You know, my Uncle Tim, who I'm doing the funeral for, uh, I talked to my Aunt Avis, and they were married 59 years. And that's a long time. And there are some of you that are even here tonight that you've been married over 50 years, and and what a special thing that it is. And your love does grow for each other. That's the Lord's desire. You see, for your marriage, he doesn't want you just as a couple where you kind of put up with each other or you just live in the same house. And listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive because I know that there are those who come here that, that their marriage is very difficult and hard, and we're praying for you. But you couples that are here, the Lord desires to grow your love for each other. And as you are continuing to look to the Lord, you're going to see that love is going to continue to grow, and it's a very wonderful thing. It's a tremendous blessing. Just as he desires for your love to grow for the Lord, he doesn't want our love to grow stagnant. 
He doesn't want our, our love to, to become complacent for him. He wants it to grow, and the way it's going to grow is to know him, and then also, as we've talked about, enjoying him. But also, some have interpreted more, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. In other words, that she's expressing that she doesn't want to grow cold in her love. She doesn't want to leave that love. You know, there in Revelation chapter 2, the letter that Jesus wrote to the church of Ephesus uh, and many of you know it because we've gone over it. They, he talked to them about how that they were a working church. He commended them, your labor, your patience, you stand on truth. I mean, this was a church that there was a lot of things happening. But he says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. And in that, he would say, this is what you're to do. He didn't say you lost it, but you left it. You need to remember from what you have fallen. You need to repent, and then you need to return the three R's that are there in the letter that Jesus wrote to them. Remember what it was like when you first start going out as a couple between you and uh, your spouse, how you took walks, you enjoyed being together. You know, those things that were special. And, and he says, repent and, and return and do those first things. And when it comes to our relationship with, with the Lord and our love for the Lord, just maybe somebody's listening tonight that maybe the Lord is speaking to you and saying, you're working hard, you know, you're even ministering, you're raising your kids in the ways of the Lord, you're doing your best, but you've left your first love. And remember what it was like when you first got saved, how, oh, the weight of the world was off you, the guilt and the shame, uh, being forgiven, all of this. And I know for me, it was just so radical that, Lord, that I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm going to go to heaven. Remember that, how you used to love to do Bible study and listen to praise music and all of that. Repent, go back and do those first works. Go back and do those things again, is what Jesus is telling the church at Ephesus and what perhaps he might be telling somebody here tonight. Go back and do those devotions. Go back and listen to, to worship. Be consistent with the fellowship with other brothers and sisters. Spend time with me. Enjoy me. Eat of me. Drink of me. That's what he's saying. And you're going to see that that love's going to come back and continue to grow. And then I add a fourth uh, R to that. You know, remember, repent, return. And my fourth one is remain. Remain there. Continue to do those things. And then the, Sh the Shulamite speaks in eight, verses 8 through 14 here that the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall, and he's looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke, and he said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vines with the tender grapes uh, give a good smell. Rise up, my love, my fair one, come away. O oh, my dove in the cliffs of the rocks in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. So she begins to talk about the request of, of the beloved. He he's, comes to her. It's It's you know, at night or uh, very early in the morning and he's leaping on the mountain. It's, it's like springtime. Winter's over. And, you know, he's, 
he's skipping upon the hills and and he is looking through the lattice at her and he's behind the wall and he he's speaking to her come away come away my love you know come away let's go do some things let's have an adventure together and 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 see things that he has for her and for them to enjoy you know this adventure together this day together their life together is what he's saying and and he wants to take her to the mountains verse 17 we're told that these mountains are the mountains of bether or separation he wants to take her to a place where they can be alone together I think there's an interesting point in that, isn't there? Because in our Christian lives, we need to take the time to get it alone with the Lord. That is so important. We all have busy lives. People ask me, how are you doing, Pastor Jeff? Busy. How are you doing? Busy. You ask people, we're all busy, aren't we? And there's a lot of distractions that we can have in life because we're, you know, we have businesses, you have jobs, you're raising kids and grandkids. We all can get very, very busy. And I think that there's more distractions in our lives now than ever before. And we need to learn to have that time where we're getting away with the Lord as we're hearing him call us that I want to get away with you. And I want to spend time with you. That's what Jesus did, you remember, in the feeding of the 5,000. How that began is he told his disciples, let's come to a quiet place. Come apart to a deserted place so we can spend some time together. And if we don't learn to come apart unto the Lord, we're going to fall apart in our spiritual lives. And there can be all kinds of reasons, and I'm just not talking about having that devotion time with him, but as you come here, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, as you come here on Wednesday nights, as you come here on Sunday mornings, other times that the Lord is speaking to you and you can hear that voice come away. I want to spend some time with you. And it's so refreshing to be able to do that. We need to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord. But I know for me, I need to have my devotion time before the noise of the world begins. And, and there can be so many things that, you know, beep and buzz. And this thing right here, for a lot of us, and, and it's very helpful, and it's beneficial. I know it is. But one of the things, too, is it can be very distracting. And I'm learning more and more to kind of leave that thing on my desk and to be able to spend some time with the Lord, even at lunchtime, and to be able to spend some time without all the distractions coming in. And so we need to, I think, more than ever, need to take those times where we're feeling the prompting of the Lord to come come away I want to speak to you I want to spend some time with you and to do that daily obviously to spend that time with the Lord very important for us to do that so here he is calling he says listen I got an adventure for you you know I, I want to 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 go and and um, you know the fig trees puts forth her green figs and the vines and tender grapes and all of this come away come away What's her response? Well, in verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. He, he, he feeds his flock among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadow flees away and turns my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of Beth or, or separation. You know, what she's saying is, is, is in, in verse 16 here, 
you know, as w we, you know, look at this, um, here she's saying, oh, my beloved is mine, I am his. You know, he is the one that is ours. She's not saying, oh, my beloved is, is mine and I got a few other boyfriends. He is mine. He's the priority. Make the Lord the priority of your life. Make him the priority of your life. And as, you know, you do that, you're going to see that your closeness with the Lord is going to grow. You know, so I was talking to somebody um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling me, I don't know how to minister to my relative because their relative was a Christian and also claims to be a Buddhist. How that all works, I don't know. <laughs> but he claims to be a Christian and a Buddhist, and, and, you know, that doesn't work. The Lord is the priority of our lives. So here she is. She's expressing that love, just as you and I express, Lord, you're mine, you're a priority. But in verse 17, till the day breaks and the shadow flees away, turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountains of separation. In other words, she's making an excuse here. Oh, you know, it's night. Until the day breaks. Maybe she's too tired. And when we go into chapter 3 next time, we're going to see she's going to be looking for her beloved in the streets, that he goes away. But she's like, Oh, maybe she rolls over and says, that sounds good. <gasps> Wait till later on in the morning. Or maybe she's too tired. There can be a lot of excuses that we can come up with not spending time with the Lord. We're all busy. And I know I make a lot of excuses. There can be a lot of times where I say, Lord, I'm just busy right now. Or Lord, I got to get out the door, you know, because I got a lot of things on my schedule today. Or I'm too tired, I'm just going to, you know, sleep in. and in. You know, you know how that goes. And I pray that as we hear the prompting of the Lord, that we say, Lord, you know what? I want to spend that time with you. Because he has an adventure for you. He has something maybe very special for you in the day. He wants to speak to your heart. He wants to feed you and refresh you. So make sure that you're spending that time with him every single day and then being sensitive to hearing his voice you know, as you hear the prompting of the Lord and that you do spend that time. And then again, the application for you husbands and wives, make sure that you're spending that time that you need to. And I know that Sue and I have been talking more about that, how valuable that time is, because like all of us, we can get very, very busy. And then you look back and you think, man, we've been going different directions and all of this and, and to be able to do that. And one of the things that we do is every night we talk Every night we spend time not only in praying to the Lord, but talking with each other and what our day was like and, you know, what are the kids doing? And, and those times for me are some of the most precious times of the day. You just have those quiet times with the ones that you love, your spouse, and with the one that is the priority of your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this chapter. There's a lot to consider here, Lord. But Lord, we thank you for this, this love that is expressed by the beloved to the Shulamite and desiring to get away with her and spend time with her. We know that you desire to spend time with us. So Father, I thank you for that. And I thank you that, that you have a banner over us and that is a banner of love. So Lord, um, may we be refreshed by you, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
and feed upon you and enjoy you because you are the one that refreshes us and you're the one that strengthens us to grow in that love for you, to grow in that love for, for brothers and sisters. I pray for husbands and wives here that they would grow in their love for each other. And Lord, you want to do that work. So Father, thank you that as we read this story, this love story being portrayed, there's challenges that are going to come. And, and I know that our love for each other and for you isn't perfect. Your love is perfect. But Lord, may we just grow in that love till it pleases. And Lord, you sum up everything, all the law and love, and we can do more in love than we can do in striving and straining and out of the flesh and all of this, just to love you. Father, we thank you that you proved your love by going to the cross, the cross of Calvary, to die for our sins. And your son rose from the grave and he's alive. And he says, come. He says, come for us that are here to have deeper intimacy and fellowship with him. And he says, come to the one who he desires to forgive and save for you to come and call upon his name to realize that he is your salvation, the savior of the world who went to the cross and died for your sins. And he rose again. If you've never committed your life to Christ, I pray that tonight you would do that right where you are. Maybe you're listening on live stream. Maybe you're listening on the radio later. Maybe tonight you're in this place. That he went to the cross because of his love for you. To shed his blood for forgiveness of sin. And he rose from the grave. He's alive. He is the Lord of lords and the king of all kings. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And he's saying, come. And all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So call upon him right now. And you pray, Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again. And what your word says, you love me. Your banner over me is love. And I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for this new beginning. Help me to know you and to enjoy you, to walk with you, to hear your voice, to learn of you and your word. I thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. And for all of us, that we would just hear your voice calling to us daily, even as Revelation 3 says, you knock on the door of our hearts. And Lord, that we would slow down in those times that, that we can. We all have things to do, we know. Schedules need to be met. Tasks need to be done. But Lord, in those times, to really get away with you and be refreshed and renewed. So I thank you for this time tonight. Take everyone home safely. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand?